Blog Talk Radio. Hey there! Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. From Hawaii's volcanoes and the ancient Puebloan city complexes of Chaco Canyon out in northern New Mexico to remote Loggerhead Key in Dry Tortugas National Park in Florida and the southwest crossroads of historic Fort Union, the National Parks Arts Foundation partners with a wide range of parks and monuments to offer these absolutely amazing and unique artist residency programs. You definitely want to check it out if you're a musician, an artist, a poet, a painter, photographer, filmmaker, writer, doesn't really matter what you do in the arts, this is open to everybody who is in the creative spirit. And so check it out. Go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org. You know, we're very excited because we do our Big Blend Radio Toast to the Arts and Parks show every first Friday. And we've been doing it today seven years, Nancy. Mm -hmm. So welcome to Big Blend Radio, everyone. Seven years which has Mm -hmm. been amazing, Um, interviewing artists who are in the residency program every single month, as well as uh, founder Tanya Ortega. We've got to give her a big shout-out for everything that she's done for artists and for parks. That's what's so beautiful about this program is what the artists get out of it, what the public gets out of it, and what the parks get out of it. And we're going to be talking about that today. It's a special live show. You know, a lot of us, we, we do a lot of Zoom video things now, but... Today's a special live show. We're airing live from Peachtree City, Georgia. And actually, we are at an art studio, Nancy. Isn't that cool? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're at artist, ceramic artist Andrea Faye Studio B. So check her out at andreafay.com. Uh, so anyway, we've got five artists joining us. They've been on our shows before. And they're going to talk about their art. They're going to talk about their music. They're going to talk about their residency experience. They're going to talk about what's coming up for them in 2023, what happened in 2022. Yeah, we want to know the scandal from last year, right, Nancy? Because you can't just put a year to bed without drama. Gossip. We, we want the gossip, right? <laughs> it is. I know, I know. So anyone, go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org. That's the website. Uh, if you're an artist and if you're in a destination with a park, or maybe you are in the park service, whether it's a state park, a national park, Check out the amazing programs that they have. So our first guest is painter Alice Lease. Alice is awesome. Mm-hmm. She's done, what, five residencies Gosh. through the National Park Arts so Foundation, yeah. Fort Union Four. National Monument yeah. up in uh, northern New Mexico, and all of the visual artists on the show today, the painters, have done this uh, National <sighs> Monument, Fort Windy, we should call it. Mm-hmm. She's also <laughs> been out on Lockerhead Key, the remote Loggerhead Key, uh, where she spent a month off-grid um, in Dry Tortugas National Park. And she's done two residencies at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. So I encourage you to go to her website, alicelease.com, and that's L-E-E-S-E. So welcome back to the show, Alice. How are you? Thank you, Lisa and Nancy. I'm doing well. I hope hey, you are, good. too. Well, we're doing we good. Are. We're we're used to you know having video chats with you in your studio. We're gonna to have to come see you this year. That's that's the thing <laughs> yeah, for two thousand twenty three. 
we're finally yes. going to come and see you and Rob and, and the ranch. Make, make that a goal. Yeah, you need to come see this place. It's, the big, it's a big uh, sandbox. <laughs> well, how big is your ranch? Oh, it's it's big enough that it's a real ranch. It's the kind that makes you sweat. It's, okay. it's not a weekend ranch. It's not a... Uh, come out from town uh, whenever you feel like it ranch. It's one that you have to stay on and and keep up and work on. So um, it's it's big enough that well out here it's a normal sized ranch, but mm. you know in some parts of the of the U.S. it'd be really big. But here here it's pretty normal. It's West Texas, right? For everyone to kind of get a yeah. visual idea. Yeah. Awesome. We definitely want to come out and learn more and see. Just get into, like, you know, I know that this is a family ranch. Getting into painting, do any of your family paint? Oh, my grandmother painted, and Mm. uh, I have an uncle. He's, he's, uh, he draws horses at times. He was a, he was a really a visual guy, and he could, he was real mechanical and real, and he's a great cowboy. And uh, I think he's 92 years old now. So uh, wow! But yeah, <laughs> uh, and then uh, I I have some cousins that draw, so mm-hmm. art sort of runs in our family. And, and then I have a brother who's an opera singer. So uh, the arts were my parents always really uh, had us go to museums and things, and and really exposed us to the arts when we were small. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So it's important. I, so I want to see so opera important. on horseback. Oh, yeah. Now that's an idea. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> we, we In Lake Havasu, we went on a gondola ride in Lake Havasu, Arizona. Like total, like the Italian gondola rides. <laughs> with the guy in the little striped shirt and everything. He's paddling. Mm-hmm. And we went under the London Bridge, the real yeah. London Bridge, right? Yeah. And bats flew out. It was sunset. And all these bats flew out. And the guy was singing opera in Italian, and then he did German and Japanese And Japanese. Opera. Wow. Uh-huh. That was oh, different. Wow. wow. It, That's so I, surreal. The, the Japanese part was different. I wish, I wish I filmed that. You know, it was like one of those experiences that will never die. So opera on horseback is, is my new goal for 2023. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I love it. I, w- I want to bring our next guest on, environmental artist Patricia Cummins. Uh, she uh, was in Fort Union, and I know that she's based out of Florida. Really, she's also won an award this year, uh, or last year, excuse me, 2022, by the Florida Art Education Association in October. Uh, she is also an educator, so I encourage you to go to her website, patcummins.com, and that's C-U-M-M-I-N-S. Welcome back to the show. Patricia, how are you? I'm great. I'm also nationalparkpainter.com, which I'm very proud to have the domain name for. Oh, that's a smart and, one. Yeah, no and that, I, I owe that to my son, who said, Mom, you got to get a good domain name. And I just mm-hmm. kind of, I, I I was in shock that it was still available, but it's he me. Swooped it. Good yeah. for him. That's awesome. Yeah. So where are you today? Because I know you've been going up to upstate New York. Where are you today? I'm in Miami. I'm in Miami. It's a beautiful day. Um, it, we had one cold snap. I hope that's not our only winter weather. It's supposed to get cool this weekend, so I'm excited about that. 
it's great to paint outdoors um, here at this time of the year, and that's mainly what I do. I paint on location. And in between, I've been working on applications to other national parks, um, Shenandoah, Weir Farm. Um, I've mm. done 15, re- I've been very lucky to do 15 residencies, and it's really been uh, an exciting wow. experience over the mm-hmm. past 20 years. It's, um, I grew up in New York City, and I lived near Forest Park, and it was a huge influence in my development through the years. Uh, the first art school I went to was called the Forest Park School of Art. It was just a little tiny school, you know, with one instructor, but it meant a lot to me and it started me in the right direction. Very nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's interesting when you go to so many residencies and so many different terrains and landscapes and different pieces of history, you know, mm-hmm. a little yes. bit of everything. Yeah. That's cool. And Fort Wendy, uh, Fort Union that you were in, that's definitely, that's a magical place. We finally got to go there mm-hmm. last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what year. Yeah, Things zoom by a little It's the bad. Um, <laughs> it, it was windy nonetheless, but just amazing because you can see elk and prairie uh you know, there's prairie dogs out in some of those areas, but you also got and the prong the prong the horn. Horn. Um, mm. Yeah, that, we I saw those every day because the the cabin that we stayed we I stayed out was right across from that field, and the pronghorn were there every day. It oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love them. I love that's them. one of the things. That's one of the things that's so great about being a national park um, resident artist and being invited. It's different than just going for the day and sneaking in and getting a glimpse of, you know, an animal. You know, you get to see their habits and you get to see, you get to name the deer. You know, you get to recognize them and tell them apart from each other. It's, mm. it's quite different being there for a couple of weeks or even a month at a time. I agree. I agree. I want to bring our next guest on is Nancy Hirschberger. Uh, Nancy was on our show, was it last year? 2021, I think, actually, when she was at Fort Union. And Nancy's a fiber artist. She does these amazing amazing painted quilts. You can go to her website, nancyhirschberger.com, and that's H-E-R-S-H-B-E-R-G-E-R. So welcome back to the show. Nancy, how are you? Thank you. I am just fine. And Dandy here in Chile, Pennsylvania. You know, I think I remember we were in Pennsylvania when you were in Fort Union and did your interview when we were in Northeast Pennsylvania. And uh, we were there in November. That it was, it was chilly. We got a little dusting of frosty white stuff. And um, now we're really glad to be in Peachtree City, Georgia, where the sun is shining today. I bet you are. Oh man, going to Fort Union had to be a complete different landscape change. You know, from Pennsylvania. It was incredible. First of all, because I don't get out to the out west much at all. And I had a brief conversation with Alice Lees before I went out there. And what great what we talked about was, yeah, Alice, I owe you a lot because you you got me ready to um you know, you told me what to be what to expect. Wind <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. Every Fort Windy is single day, 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, wide open, wide open country, which we don't have here. I'm in the mountains. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Allegheny Mountains, part of Appalachia. But anyway, um, so, you know, I what I wasn't prepared for, a couple of things. Being from the East Coast at 1,250 feet elevation, that when you drive to the Southwest, you're actually going uphill. Ah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I honestly didn't know that and didn't start feeling a little funny. Honestly thought I was coming down with COVID um, until we got to Amarillo, Texas. We drove out there. And we got to Amarillo, Texas, and it's, I mean, this is just, it's the West. It's, you know, it's people carrying guns on their hip, and it's, it's just so, but, you know, that said, I saw that here. So, never mind. But um, driving out there was an experience that I will never forget, and I loved every minute of it, because it's so different. From here, and then we get we get to Las Vegas, New Mexico, True. and and it was you know it's just different. It's windy. It's kind of dusty. It's big, wide open spaces. Your mountains are further apart out there, and and then we drive up that long road. And what I didn't another thing I did, I wasn't quite prepared for was your speed limits out there. <laughs> You can you go seventy five miles an hour and that's normal. Holy moly. And then you know, when you slow down for road construction, you slow down to sixty five. Our speed limit isn't even that. So that you know, those were a couple of eye openers. Loved it. Just loved it. And then we got out there and I you know, my husband drove with me and then he flew home and then I was there for a month and I drive up to the to the fort and there are these beautiful ruins holy moly I've never seen anything like it and I'll probably never see anything like it again I just loved it and the people there uh, Ranger Greg and Mary Mary Sladsky Sladsky S-L-A-D-K-Y those people were wonderful and BJ she was great they were so helpful and, um, you know, they just clued me in, and I, I honestly didn't think I'd have such a bee in my bonnet today about, uh, uh, you know, about this radio show, because quite frankly, I was really nervous. But now that you got me started, um, <laughs> it was... She's rolling. It, She's going to start painting after this. You can be grabbing that fiber and... Painting it, it up. I love this. One. I love it though because okay. it really was. You're giving us a, a you know, a, a, a mental painting really of what it's like well, going there, and it is out of there. And by the way, mm-hmm. living in the Southwest for so long, and then mm-hmm. spending so much time in Texas, New Mexico, um, I'm used to those speed limits. But apparently, Indiana, you can get pulled over in a cornfield. I'm just saying, <laughs> it can happen to you if you're used to really, you know. Exciting speed limits that don't go from 50 to 55 every mile. Yeah. They change. And then you find yourself pulled over on a tiny road. But I got out of it. So I'm very happy about That's that. True. I know. You were, you were yes, very it, flirty and he was very cute. I was not flirty. <laughs> I was just were. very polite. I was very polite. 
All right, so I want to bring our next guest on, composer and musician, Glenn Bleckler. Glenn has been on our show a couple of times now, maybe two, three times, and I encourage you to go to his website, artforbrains.com. It's one of my favorite, talk about website names, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. I love it. Um, he was in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, but he's traveled the world. He has done so much. Uh, he's also part of the Antarctic Artists and Writers Collective. Uh, he was on the show a couple, was it a year? Uh, let's not even talk about time anymore. Uh, he was on the show with Michelle uh, Swango-Regala, and, uh, you know, it's an amazing project that they're doing, but he's always involved in awesome projects. So welcome back, Glenn. How are you? I, I'm I'm doing well because, of course, I'm back in Hawaii right now uh, and, 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 uh, and spending some time with my with my friend and Antarctic colleague, um, Michelle. Uh, but, um, but I must admit, um, I, I'm not sure if, if I'm, um, if, if the combination of me and, and, and Hawaii has sort of a bad vibe for American democracy, because, because I'm, I'm here right now while, while they're, they're having all this trouble in the house of representatives. <laughs> and, and w- when I was on the big Island with my, my, uh, national parks, <laughs> Uh, foundation residency, uh, there was a government shutdown. So, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I know that 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 correlation is not causation, but but it makes me wonder a little bit, you know. But at least you didn't get swept away by lava. Yeah. Uh, how about that? Yeah. Right. right yeah. Yeah. But but um, but yeah, yeah. It, it's it's been um, you know, you know, as a composer of mostly choral music. Uh, the the COVID times have um, have shut down uh, a, a lot of stuff, a lot of interest in new music mm-hmm. because the worst scientific thing you can do in COVID is to pr- professionally project your particulates out of your mouth, you know, uh, in the way that singers do, and um, and so now with COVID, um, uh, you know, in, in in at least a manageable position, uh, it's been great to see. Some um, some new projects coming back, and oh, um, and yeah 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 really excited about some some new things. Uh, the uh, the Lake Champlain uh, Basin project, the the lake that borders northern New York State, uh, Vermont, and Quebec. Um, I'm going to be doing a two-year project with them, mentoring three other other composers. Uh, in uh, in taking some of the scientific data from the Lake Champlain watershed and turning it into into music, uh, telling wow. telling a a mus- musical scientific story of that mm, of that beautiful cool. part of the country. Can you explain that real quick to people about because this is so fascinating and that's why mm, I know cool. every I, I, every time Andy's been on the show, I think I've brought you up, and to every musician I know that does any kind of like crazy recording stuff. I always like, dude, you've got to hear about Glenn McClure, man. <laughs> this is insane. So can you explain how you take data, scientific data, and then turn it into musical notes? Sure. Yeah. I mean, from the time that we're in second or third grade, um, our our elementary school music teachers give us a bunch of numbers and tell us to make a picture out of it. We make a bar graph or a line graph, right? So we take numbers and turn it into a picture because we can understand the numbers in a new way if we see it visually. And, and there's a you know, huge industries right now, but the visualization of big data. Sonification just takes that same idea, but says, what happens if we listen to data? What happens if we translate those numbers into a way that professional listeners can analyze it? 
Um, mm. And so, um, and so, basically, what happens there's there's just a little bit of mathematics. It's a combination of things you probably learned in fourth or fifth grade um, that that can take a list of numbers and turn it into a melody. Um, if you have a data set with with several parallel lists of numbers, well, then you do all of those, and then you get harmony out of it. Um, and and it's a it's an exciting field in especially the world of eco music these days. Okay, mm -hmm. because it transforms the work of of the eco musician from um, from mostly what we do, okay, or what we have done in the past is to react very personally and emotionally to uh to an environmental landscape okay mm -hmm. and and that's valid that's wonderful that's perfect i do that too okay but sonification allows us to actually create an empirical connection between the notes um the notes that you're listening to and the volcano and the wind and the water wow. and, and 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 other things like that yeah. Um, and and we still use the tools of composers around that that sort of core musical content. But um, that's amazing because you think about we always say math and music go hand in hand. But mm -hmm. I mean, I even think you know when we're looking at all the studies being done on the black hole, and now they're recording the sound of the black hole, and, or, or the black holes with an S, plural, because we've got more than one oh, black yeah. hole. And mm -hmm. it's so fascinating because when something is uh, it's very hard to touch and understand what the black hole is, and we're still finding, we're still learning about it, right? And I don't know anything about it other than what I listened to, and actually heard they, they were doing it on uh, an NPR or something when we were driving. We were listening to this, and it's like this. It's it's bizarre because you know being able to hear the black hole kind of gives you this extra connection to something that seems really far out. That do you really believe it's there or not? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and yeah, and and the part of the point you're making, I think, is that it's it's not it, it's not only the new information we learn by listening to data, but it's also a, a whole new kind of human connection that mm -hmm. we have. Okay, that, that that gets us connected to that black hole, or or the you know eclipse project I'm going to be doing in 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 2024 when the 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 path of totality goes goes through upstate New York, um, and and working with a marvelous chamber group called Five by Five out of Rochester, with with some new music out of that. It's it's ways for us to to in, get engage, invest, and and um, and become part of the natural world uh, that just simply looking at a list a list of numbers mm. really doesn't do for us. That's it, awesome. I, I want to do it with color. Like I want to put take colors and different shades of different colors and assign them a musical note. And then as somebody paints a picture, see if it turns out to be a symphony. That makes Ladies, sense. get ready for um, Nancy's music. <laughs> okay. Well, 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 let's talk. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to play here. So. Oh, um, okay. Cool. Hey, we've got a whole, we have a whole room of people in different places. This is the great thing about technology that can make this come together. I want to bring, our final guest, and last but not least at all, uh, composer and musician Andy Jarima. He is amazing. When he records Hermit Crabs Under the Ocean. I love it. You know, it doesn't really matter. His daughter will play. We're going to play music from both of them, uh, Andy and Glenn. Uh, but I encourage you to go to his website, andyharima.com, and that's J-A-R-E-M-A 
com. So welcome back to the show, Andy. How are you? Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me on, Lisa and Nancy, again. It's so great to be back here with um, all these fellow artists on the call. I've just been marveling listening to all of you talk about your work and what you're doing right now, and it's just so fabulous to be a part of this big group here. That's something, too, about you is you're an educator as well, a music educator, a musician as well, and composer, but um, this is really interesting what you do in, in regards to recording, and then cre- you're taking the sounds and creating, you're using like nature as the instruments, right? So like you could create your own orchestra with your recordings from nature. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, um, instead of composing music using like an orchestra, we swap out all those instruments for birds and waterfalls and things like that. Um, cool. You know, I, I, I come from a place where I just love natural sound. Um, I just love listening to my environment and being just surprised and delighted by what I hear around me. And I often think that that can sometimes be a bit invisible if you're not listening to it. It's very easy to turn it out, tune it out. And so I love to get my recording device out, record it, and then that's where I as a musician come in and sort of tweak those sounds and twist those sounds into something that I think of as musical. Um, So, you know, for example, if, you know, I I hear a waterfall, um, I'll just ask the question, how could this be music? What could I do with this? And, you know, one answer to that might be, well, you know, a waterfall is like white noise kind of like when you turn on a TV set and you get that staticky sound. Um, which now she's got the white out on her palette. <laughs> oh, there we go, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, white noise has every frequency available to you. That's what white noise is, so every frequency low to high. And so then you can filter out some of those frequencies and get choosy about which ones you want and then sort of shorten that attack of that sound you're using from the waterfall to sound more like a snare drum or a bass drum sound. And then, voila, you've made a, you know, a waterfall beat, let's say. Um, so that's kind of my process I sort of use. I start with just by listening and being fascinated by the sound around me and then letting that interact with my identity as a musician and composer. Wow. Because mm, cool. I remember the last time you were on the show with Stan Honda, and by the way, we're going to get him back on. Uh, we're going to do another reunion show coming up for February, but you – you both were talking about photography and connecting with music, so the audio and visual can be combined. But we also played the lava rocks, and you're talking about how the lava sound kind of made made that into like the drum beat in a way. Because of the- yeah, and quick yeah, quick shout out to Shane Honda by the way. I was going to mention this at some point. Him and I just actually did a little collaboration together. Um, he paired some of my music with um, one of his. Um, time-lapse photographies out in, uh, I believe it was Joshua Tree. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, shout-out to Stan. Um, him and I have been doing some great things together, great conversations back and forth. And, um, yeah, one of the great things about your show and doing the National Park Arts Foundation residencies is the community you jump into. You know, it's been so amazing jumping into this collaborative community. Um, but anyways, to, to answer your question about the, the lava rocks, yeah, when I was out in Hawaii volcanoes, that was one of the most fascinating sounds I heard is that every lava rock sounds different when you drop it on the ground because they're all slightly different texturally and density-wise. Mm-hmm. And so I think I spent, you know, 10 minutes just recording every single possible lava rock I could, dropping it, scraping it, hitting them together, and then sort of turn that into a percussive beat. Um, for one of the pieces I made for um, 
for my residency there. Um, so, yeah, it's just being delighted by sounds like that is just incredible. Just, you know, how can I turn this lava rock clanking, you know, together into some sort of musical piece is always just a fun challenge for me. I love this. I, I love that there's so many different ways in art. I mean, that, that's what I think is so great about the National Parks Arts Foundation is they don't limit artists, you know, of any genre, any medium. And it's like you can change as you get to your residency. What you envisioned may change. It usually does because now you're on the scene. You're in it for that full month residency, which is also really unique that you have that full month um, residency. So I think uh, what they're doing is amazing. And I love to hear these collaborations. I mean, Andy, that's awesome. One residency, more, it just keeps going. It's like the ripple effect of it all. That's fantastic. I want to go to the visual artists, though, the painters here, and uh, talk about music and the sounds for when you paint. And then I want to go to the composers and musicians and talk about color and what you see. How does that change your music? Because it's kind of interesting to have two sides of the coin here. So let's start with you, Alice. I know you like music, and she's right near Roy Orbison's birthplace. I'm just saying that's very important. That is um, important. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But the yes, sound, do you like listen to music when you paint, or do you when you go out oh, oh, and yeah. about nature? Okay. Mm. Uh, I, I listen to music, and I can tell by what I'm listening to how the painting's going to turn out sometimes because <laughs> it's, you know, some paintings need a lot of energy, and, and some, and so you need something that's really going to help you up and keep you going. But some, you know, when it gets tedious, um, you need something that's not going to put you to sleep. So uh, <laughs> sometimes it's uh, in the studio you can start working on a piece and you'll be working on it for uh, off and on for sometimes uh, five or six months. And if you'll play the same music you played when you first started on it, it's easier to pick back up what you were thinking at the time you were making the image. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's one way to kind of keep some continuity going if, if you have to leave a piece and then come back to it. That's interesting. Uh, just, just play the same mm-hmm. music. It's almost yeah. like then, hypnosis, right, in a way, because it's oh, like your body recognizes it and you just turn, it's like you've told your body to go into that mode. Like it's a commun- different form of communication and instruction. Right, like it's, right. There, there's huh. there's so many different uh, uh, techniques and things that I use that it's it's hard sometimes to switch from one, even one location to another. So if you switch the music at the same time. It's a little bit easier. But, you got uh, to wow. set up yeah. the, the atmosphere. Yeah. You know. Right. right. Yeah. Wow. I listen to a lot of classical and then <clears throat> a lot of uh, experimental. And I, I think it would be really interesting to listen to some of Andy's and mm. Glenn's while, you know, I'm working on some of the Hawaii works. You know, because every place has a sound. Mm-hmm. Or sounds, and uh, that's that's part of when you're get, getting out and into the landscape and trying to get a feel of what it's like. You sometimes I make recordings on my iPhone, you know, just record the water, the sound of the waves on mm-hmm. loggerhead, or um, when you're at the volcanoes, 
sometimes if you're real quiet, you can hear you can hear Kilauea, uh, the lava flowing down in the caldera. In fact, Kilauea is erupting right now. I know. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yesterday it started up again. So, yeah, that's hmm. pretty exciting. I never have been there when it's been erupting, but uh, I, I would really love to be there when that happens. Didn't it all happen once you once you left the last residency? All of a sudden, the volcano erupted. And yeah. said, oh, you know, Alice well, yeah. I'm a grandma, and then that's it. We're we're, we're spouting yeah. lava yeah. from the island. Yeah, so bright. Yeah, <laughs> that's break. a big fireworks. I mean, forget yeah. Fourth of July and New Year's. Like that's real fireworks. Like you can't beat that. Oh yeah. I, want, yeah. I wanted to go to Glenn and Andy to see if either of you have any comments about what Alice was saying about the power of music for what she's doing in the creative process. Sure. Right. I'll jump in here, Alice. And I think um, that's fascinating what you're saying about how music puts you in a certain sort of mindset or thought process. And you can almost like recontinue that later. Uh, Cause I think, you know, music is sort of like sound thoughts really in a way. Um, that's how I sort of think about my music. Sometimes they're communicating ideas. Um, so I love that it, it puts you in a certain headspace like that. I really, I really love that. Mm. It works when you cook too. Like if you're going to make an Italian meal, you need to put Italian music on. You yeah, to get with the program. You know, I mean, it puts you in the mood. Yeah, yeah. I, you know? I mean, we're doing major production with articles and stuff that I have to like snap into it and not let my monkey mind, because I do have a monkey mind brain, like, like everything <laughs> wants to talk at once. I have certain albums I'll put on, and I'm right in it. it it's very weird, like, because it's, it's, I don't know, you have to get into that zone. So it's very fascinating what music can do for that. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I want to go to Pat. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you when you paint. I know you're an environmental artist, also an educator. You know, do you, when you're painting, and especially plain air painting, are you Listening to nature, do you listen to music? Tell us a little bit about that for you. Um, in the studio, I tend to listen to music, but when I'm outside painting, it's, I'm getting in touch with my surroundings, the water, the wind, the uh, rustling of the leaves. Um, sound is very important to me. I'm hearing impaired, and uh, we're in hearing aids is uh, a strange experience because some things are more personified. You hear them stronger, like the wind, perhaps. You know, sometimes it's blowing into the hearing aids, and it's like uh, a different sound. So I like mm-hmm. to be aware of my surroundings. Also, painting sometimes alone. Um, I, I've gotten startled by deer and grouse. I didn't even know what a grouse was. I was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in Minnesota. And this, this ground This ground bird came and startled me. I think it was as startled as I was because you're real quiet out there painting. Sometimes the animals don't even realize you're there. Yeah, so, they think you're yeah, part of it. Yeah, and in yeah. the studio I listened to all kinds of music. And I was, you know, listening to you guys, um, I was just thinking of, Music does put you and places you in another time and place. And I think in advertising, you know, television, they take advantage of that and all the, the oldies, the goodies that we're hearing and they're geared to a certain group, you know, and they're playing this music to get your attention. Mm-hmm. And it does. It works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, suddenly mm-hmm. the Rolling Stones are in commercials. I'm like, what? Like, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> 
it's yeah. it's funny yeah. how they do. Yeah, it's it's memories. Music is part of memories. Right. You know, it's, okay. I remember a, a friend of mine in a band that we had years ago, a very dear close friend to me. Our, it was our bass player passed away. And I like almost had to stop listening to music oh. because we had so much oh. in common with different musical music, like music. I mean, there wasn't any music I could listen to that didn't remind me of him at that time of that early part of the grief stage. And then later, like a few days later, it was like, I want to listen to everything. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. a very, because of the memories, because of the conversations, the, the gigs, the places, you know, it, it, music is incredibly powerful. The arts are, visual arts, mm-hmm. I think, is something that really slows us down, too, to remind us to just sit and actually know, think about what you're looking at. What do you like? You know, who are you in in, in this painting that you're looking at? What is it making you feel and think? So it's, um, you know, even just, I know this sounds weird, but even going in national parks and in state parks, I, you know, all the parks, when you, in, in like museums, and you see the artwork in, in museums, I mean, we, that's how it, it, it gets us to understand things and learn. It's fascinating to me about the power of arts, but yeah, it's, you guys are all part of it and do it. But Nancy, let's talk to you, to you about what's, what's the, what does music do for you as, as you do your fiber art and quilting and painting? You do a different well, quilting too. That's a, that's a whole other. That's you do some crazy cool stuff. Thank you, thank you. Well, yeah, I'm probably one of the few artists who shows up at a national park with a sewing machine. But <laughs> it's I, uh, I I am also uh, very hard of hearing. I have severe hearing loss, and I also wear hearing aids, but they distort um, yeah, a lot of things. Do. So I. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, when I'm out in the park photographing everything, I'm just I, I, I'm not listening to anything at all. I'm in this when I'm in the studio. However, I I am because of because of hearing loss and because of the distortion, it's really hard to listen to music because mm. when you're listening to it, it, it when a, a normal hearing person listens to it you're following along with the melody and you're harmonizing i studied music in college so this was really really hard to um to take as my hearing loss um actually accelerated Mm -hmm. so so anyway uh getting back to what music does i'm usually thinking about the moldy oldies from when you know from 30 some 40 years ago and and that's enough for me. Or, like at Fort Union, I was streaming Breaking Bad because I'm not really listening to it. And I've seen it that many times that it didn't matter. It was <laughs> just noise. It was mm. white noise in the background. And I was in New Mexico. So, mm. um, so yeah, the music thing, as much as I would love to be an Alice Lease and use that music and create the magic that she creates using music to help I don't know. I, I I don't know. I've been following Alice. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm kissing up to Alice Lee. But <laughs> I really admire I might be on the horse, so be careful because you know, things happen with the 
<laughs> so anyway, anyway, I've been following her, and and so to hear how much music plays a part in her work, I'm just blown away. What well, is there also well, something? Um, go ahead, go ahead. Oh well, I was gonna say thanks, Nancy, and uh, I, I hear you when you're out there painting, and I think Patricia's this way too. Um, I don't want to listen to anything but the sound of what's around me, usually. Yeah. Uh, on on location, plain air, you, you want to take in those sounds, so I, I understand. But in the studio, yeah, yeah. when it's just you and, you know, you're all by yourself and and you you need to occupy right. that part of your brain and somehow, somehow it makes you more focused mm-hmm. in some way right. if you can... That part yeah, but you can re- you can you can remember you can remember certain music that you've listened to during certain residencies, and you're going, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I remember. Oh, I was listening. I was driving down in Arizona, and I was listening to the Eagles, and I was like, whoa, rocking out. It was a great road trip, you know. Yeah, and it brings you back to that time. But um, yeah, Alice, that that I think that's an important, real important point that that if you put on the same music, it does take you back to that moment. But you know what's weird yeah. is there's also a, a, a connection culturally. And I don't know if this is completely woo-woo and weird, um, <laughs> but like Joshua Tree, we used to live outside Joshua Tree. It was like literally you can almost walk to the park from our house. It was very nice. Um, but I used to do, you know, we, the magazine, was, we did a lot in San Diego, and I'd always drive through the park home. And there were certain parts of the, you've got to think of the Native American history of Joshua Tree, all the, the mining history, the ranching history. I mean, then there's the surveyors, the CC history. There's also, you know, Spanish history back when the day where Mexican history, you know. So there were certain parts of the park. If I played Mexican music and or Spanish music, it just kind of flowed. And then certain mm-hmm. parts of the park, I played Native American music, and it was like, it it was happy. Like, everything was happy. But if I switched it around, it was like, no, this is this part. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know how to explain that, but that's just how it felt. So it could just oh, be me. So And it's weird. No, I, th- I think that's correct. Sometimes you, you know, some artists are visual artists and musicians, and I'm thinking of Peter Hurd right now. He was a visual mm-hmm. artist in New Mexico, but he also made a recording of old Spanish ranch songs. And you can find it on iTunes or whatever. And if you put on his music, you start picturing in your mind all his paintings from New Mexico. Wow. It's it's interesting that uh, he's he recorded all the old songs from his ranch hands so that they wouldn't wouldn't get lost, sort of like preserving mm. something in time. His paintings were kind of the same way. They preserved a way of life in a landscape that is somewhat disappearing now. Mm. It's very important. The, the Juan Batista de Anza National Historic Trail goes, it traces the American route, but it goes south of the border, south of Tucson to Sonora, Mexico, and is where uh, Conquistadora Juan Batista de Anza did this trek, and he led, his, I'm not going to say, why do I want to say 600, but it was 200 people on foot uh, from Tumacacari and Tubac area, uh, south of Tucson, to what is the, was the Presidio. He founded the Presidio 
in San Francisco. And that's what is now San Francisco. And they marched all the way. There was only one death. And that was a lady in childbirth. And that happened at uh, San Xavier del Bac, uh, the mission. But there's this, this book that the Park Service put together with this trail. And that's another thing. I would love to see this residency do entire trails. And last time we talked with Tanya Ortega on the show, she's like, why not? Like the Blue Ridge Parkway, mm-hmm. these historic, tr- like the Pony Express, to imagine doing a residency along the entire trail. Like that would be insane. Like cool, like oh. good insane. But there was this book that yeah. the Park Service put out for like people like us that are really following it and doing it. And they had a CD in there. And I have this book. It's actually, it's one of the few things we take in our car. Um, with the recordings, uh, ancestral recordings of Native American, Mexican, Spanish recordings of musicians on this route. So you could be at a place and play it. You know, and we still, that's why we still have our car, has a CD player. So you can play this music in that spot that you're in on this trail that came from the cultural, you know, bones of that place. And there's nothing wow. like that. So it's, it's, to me, it's oh, very yeah, fascinating. That is amazing. Yeah. And now I'm, I, I'm obsessed with that trail. I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. It's like a sickness. But there's a, I mean, people on, on you know, be, oh, we need, I'm. That, that would that. be a good idea. I mean, the Santa Fe Trail. What if you went all yeah. 800 miles of the Santa Fe Trail? Or what if you went along the railroad? Mm-hmm. Where the railroads run, Or the mm-hmm. uh, Pacific Coast Trail. El Camino de los yeah, Muertos mm-hmm. National Historic Trail that goes up through San Antonio, up to Louisiana, up through Texas, yeah. Louisiana. Don't start me on the trails. Right. It's, it's a dangerous, dangerous path with us because that's all we do. Yeah. I want to go back to our musicians and composers here. Uh, Glenn, what do you think about all of this music? Does the visual art and the visual surroundings inspire your music? I have to go there. We've got to swap the coin around here. Well, well, I think that um, I'd actually like to bring it back to the cooking metaphor here cool. that we talked about earlier. Uh, that you know, you know, as visual artists or or, or musicians or actors or writers, um, um, uh, we're all in the business of making connections between ingredients. Mm. True. Mm-hmm. And and we're all makers of things, and we make things in a short period of time that then becomes something other people can look at or listen to or eat, right? Mm-hmm. But it, but but as as creators, we're in the business of of connection, and so and and so I think it doesn't surprise me at all that there's a myriad of different ways in which in which visual artists. Um, use music intentionally, or 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 are 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 inspired by natural sounds. Um, you know, in in terms of the the disability conversation we were having earlier, you know, even even those folks that are labeled um, uh, sort of in, in the normal hearing world, each one of our brains and 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 all that stuff actually hears things differently than the next person beside us. Okay, there, there's 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 subtle differences in, in the way we all hear things, but but, but I think as artists uh, and musicians, we are we are in the business of connection. We're in the business of creating meaning out of 
ingredients and 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 whether whether those ingredients you know is is, is scientific data whether whether it's uh, it's history or memory like we talked about earlier um, I think that that the joy of being an artistic creator is that in the in the in the act of making meaning what we're doing is actually choosing the ingredients that go into the sauce mm. uh, and then and then delivering that to an audience in a real time in a real place um some of us are lucky enough to have have that artistic creation live beyond that moment but but uh that's not what we're in for we're 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 in for the moment we're we're mm. in for creating meaning now with people in front of us in which that meaning matters in some way. You know, I think that's so cool because when you think about our national parks and our parks, whether it's a monument, a state park, just parks in general, because I know the National Parks Arts Foundation definitely works with national parks, but open to all parks. And, you know, that's something we learned too, that all of these parks are connected. And as we look at what's going on in the world with climate, with um, just we're, we're losing land, you know, kind of thing, we have to be partnered. Parks have to partner together to create just even to keep them, right? Buffer zones for animals, all kinds of all kinds of things, protect historical uh, places. You know, whether it's like, hey, like Alice has a family ranch that's part of history of Texas. You know, one day there might be a park next to her, and it's good that she's got that land next, you know, so that the history of that is all connected. So yeah, and, and, and um, um, let me let me just keep on a little bit there. Um, you know, in in, in the work that 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 Michelle um, Trinkle Regala and mm-hmm. I have done in Antarctica. Okay, mm-hmm. if you look at a, a world class you know science organization like the National Science Foundation, right? It's the polar division that has an arts an arts residency. Okay, that that has pulled together. You know, um, uh, you know, several generations of amazing artists uh, who have done this work, and b- because the NSF values the way in which artists can be civic communicators about the natural world. Mm. Okay, that 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 you know, you know, we're not marketers, we're not advertisers, but we are fundamental communicators of connecting the general public to the natural world and by the way okay the the bottom of the planet is the hardest part of the natural world to connect people to because so few people have actually ever had the experience mm. and, and and so and so i think just to add on to what you're saying i think that um as meaning makers as people who are who are creating expressions uh that are being seen and 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 heard and experienced it is more important than ever for artists to be part of the environmental dialogue as mm-hmm. this becomes more and more urgent. We, we, we now have to be part of the civic space mm-hmm. in ways that maybe we haven't been since the 1960s. Okay. Mm-hmm. When, 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 when artists were part of the civil rights movement, but, but to, but to step forward in a, in a concentrated, large intentional uh, and significant way to be part of the civic dialogue around ecological restoration. Well, we've done so many shows with artists and musicians, mm-hmm. anybody of the arts over the years. And one thing that has come up very, very strong is that the arts tell the truth about history. 
you know, sometimes even more than journalism. And I'm not knocking journalism, good journalism at all, because it's so vital, right? But the arts document what's going on in a, in a specific time in a way that, I don't know, it's just it's, it's magical and, and honest. It's real. And the beauty, too, that I was going to say earlier is that, you know, you're talking about disabilities, you know, and, and just even likability. Some people are drawn to a painting. If you're deaf, you a painting is going to be, or a photograph or a film may be the thing that draws you into that park or place, you know, or that history, culture. And it could be the other way for music, you know, or for dance, you know. So everybody has something different that attracts them and how, it, how we learn things, how we, you know, it's in teaching and education. And Andy, step in on this one. Don't we all have a different way of taking in information? Some of us want to watch. Some of us need the notes. Some of us are nuts and bolts and geek out down the rabbit hole. You know, everybody's a little different in taking things in. So, Andy, you want to touch on that in regards to learning and being in the moment of now? Because it, it now takes in all of it, takes in the past. Yeah, and, and what you're talking about is, um, you know, Neuro, neurodivergency, right? The, the idea that um, there are many ways that people experience the world and sort of take in information about the world and how do we teach to that? Um, that becomes a very difficult thing. Um, and I know the students that I teach, um, by the way, I'm, I'm a virtual teacher now. I used to be a teacher in the public schools um, and now I teach exclusively virtually. And see, I, I see students not only all around the country, but all around the world. Mm. Um, I have a cool. student in Portugal. I have a student in Wales. Um, you know, so I teach all these students from all these different places with all these different sort of ways that they learn. And so, you know, as a teacher, I have to sort of figure out um, what are the best ways that I can teach them. And it challenges me as a teacher to be able to do that. Um, and it, it even goes beyond, um, you know, are they visual learners? Are they, you know, do they work better with sounds? Um, it, it goes to, you know, how, how has, um, you know, society sort of shaped their ideas of how they learn? So, for example, um, I have a student who's on the autism spectrum, and I think a lot of the times he thinks the way he thinks about things is wrong. And so I have to sort of encourage him and say, well, no, you see the world in a way different than all of us. And that perspective is valuable, uh, despite what, you know, society might tell you. Um, so, yeah, neurodivergency is a very interesting sort of field in education, and it challenges me as a teacher to, to serve my students better. Mm. Mm. And where do you think the arts come in for this? Do they help? Oh, absolutely, because arts are, you know, a way for um, – you know, the students that I teach are, are primarily music students. And so that's how they sort of interact with their neurodivergency. They get to express themselves in very unique ways. Um, you know, for example, I have another student who likes to code his own retro video games. Uh, he writes all the code himself. He writes all the music from scratch, all by himself. Um, and I think that's his sort of way of interacting with the world and expressing his creativity and his sort of like viewpoint on the world. Um, so, yeah, I think the arts plays a large role in that and sort of fostering really open spaces and open communities for that, too. Um, you know, I, I found that, you know, all the sort of weird people I know in the world tend to be in the artist pocket, right? So <laughs> it's kind of like the space for all the different 
divergent people to sort of ex- be able to express themselves. All the freaky people make the beauty of the world. <laughs> oh, Michael Frost. There we go, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of people who have artistic abilities that are are too afraid to do something with them, and I wish they would just, you know, like step up there and go have some fun and don't think about trying to sell things or be professional with it. Just go find out what you've got because I know everybody's going to have something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think you miss out if you don't find that something. Mm-hmm. A lot of people put it aside. A lot of people don't Mm. recognize the importance. I have some private students, like, in their 40s and their 50s, and they said, you know, know, this is my midlife crisis. I'm going to paint. I've wanted to paint it my whole life, and Mm. this is what I want to do now because I put it aside because my job and my career was more important. I was very Mm. lucky to make it my career being an educator, and some Mm. of my... Some uh, I've had all kinds of students I've taught, pre-K through university, mm-hmm. and um, some of my uh, disadvantaged or students that had disabilities were my best students because they excelled in the arts. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of that that was that was their best time of the day. That cause mm. they there there was nothing to hold them back. Mm. Mm. Cool. Yeah. You know, I think that's the one thing that's so great about the National Parks Arts Foundation is you can be in any place in your career to apply and be accepted. You know, it's just kind mm. of that luck of the draw kind of thing in a way, though it's juried, it, you have to go through this process, but um, and you don't always win everything. And, Alice, you've done a number through the National Parks Arts Foundation. Uh, all of you have done a bunch in different places with different things, but um, do you you have to keep applying, right, Alice, to keep going through because oh yeah, it, 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 it you do, and don't just think that if you're new to not apply, right? Right, right. I think I applied for four or five years before I was ever accepted, and then the first place I went was Fort Union, mm. and I, it was um, back to uh, conservation. Uh, one of the, I think one of the things that uh, that the national parks likes is uh, that w- one of my things is conservation and stewardship. The National Park Service was created in 1916 to help preserve our parks and to take care of them. And part of that uh, original, one of the reasons they started the parks was there were so many people going, and somebody needed to take care of them. And they were formed so that people could go to the parks. You, you can't have a national park with, without a park service to take care of it. So that's part of the compromise is if, if you want to have these nice places, you're going to need to get people into them to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think like the musicians, that uh, there's many different ways people can uh, experience something and learn and any way that we can promote these places is uh, if it's through music or the visual arts or or uh, any way we can be an advocate for these places is is uh is good. Mhm. 
it helps fund things. I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked about this Amazing. on our wildlife conservation shows for years that a good friend of ours, uh, uh, late Adam Roberts, um, always said back in the day, you could be in the Midwest and have never been to the ocean, to the coast. Andy, if you've been to the beach, I think you have since you've been, you've been to Hawaii, because I know you're in the Midwest, but, um, oh, you know, there's yeah. a lot of been people there. who haven't. Yeah, a lot of people haven't. And people got behind saving whales. You know, remember the whole thing about, you know, stop harpooning whales. That whole campaign years ago worked with people around the world, whether or not they saw a whale. And it was about messaging. It was about people seeing the beauty and understanding. And that's this role of, you know, art, um, all forms of it, creates that, oh, beautiful. I mean, come on, it. If you've read Moby Dick, you're still going to want to save the whale, right? Doesn't all, you know, help. Yeah, this is true, yeah. And and mm-hmm. that whole thing helped stop the harpooning of whales. And, of course, we're still battling. But, um, you know, I think there's something to that. You you don't have to – you want more people in the parks. There's a balance. There's a wilderness areas that only so many people can go into. There's shuttle buses in the major parks. Now time to entry, depending on where it is. Uh, so there's a lot of steps being taken. And, you know, the pandemic, like all the parks closed and then opened and everybody's like, we need outside, you know. Yeah. So there's this balance we're going through. And the arts really give a way for people, even, you know, just seeing it on Facebook or listening to it, right? Give people a way to connect to a space yeah. and help them be part of a movement to protect these places, you know, their history, their nature, their wildlife. Um, all of it, the playground, you know, the playground for humans too. And, and so the arts, that's what I love about this whole program is with NPAF is the artists are able to transcend a space in that your art goes around the world, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in an ex- exhibition or through social media or through virtual events. And they do educational events. I know that kind of went away a little bit um, during you know, the pandemic, but, you know, the artists and residents normally do an event. But um, there's so many ways that people around the world are experiencing the national parks and parks because of these residency programs. So let, let's yeah. touch on that, um, actually going to that. Alice, uh, I know you have some things coming up in 2023 that we're in now. <laughs> I've got to remind myself. Um, right. That's happening, and yeah. your art's been around. I mean, you've been doing a lot of exhibits, and you've got more coming up. So as you do all of uh-huh. this, your residency plays into that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm working on proposals for shows to show all four residency paintings, uh, all the plein air paintings, and then I bring those back to the studio and create larger work. Like I'm working on a uh, four-foot by five-foot right now, and I've mm-hmm. got some stretcher bars, uh, one of them is 11 feet long, so uh, that's going to be a big one. But, cool. <laughs> but I'm working on uh, places for this work to go so that people can see it. Uh, also, let's see, in September, I'll be at the trappings of Texas. That's a Texas thing where uh, bit and spur makers and visual artists, sculptors, uh, get together and show their work down close to Big Bend National Park in Alpine, Texas, at the Museum of the Big Bend. And then oh, cool. um, a couple of other things coming up. This 
going to be a great year. I'm trying to stick around close uh, because, you know, it, there's good things happening here now. So it's it's fun to stick around and, and hold the grandbabies. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's oh. awesome. I, I want to go to you, Andy. What's what's up for you in 2023? Well, speaking of babies, <laughs> um, <laughs> so my baby daughter is uh, 16 months old. And, um, you know, it's funny as an artist because, um, you know, to be an artist, you need, like, oceans of time to, like, really work on your art and do things uh, related to your art, which I don't have as much anymore because I'm spending a lot of time with my daughter, but I love that. I absolutely love that more than anything. I'm home all the time with her and my partner, Danielle, and um, I just value that time so much, you Mm -hmm. know. So, you know, this next year is going to be slow for me, which I love because I want to just be home and be with my partner and be with my daughter. Um, But I do have a couple things uh, that I'm looking forward to. Uh, One is the Earth Day Art Model Festival. Um, And if anyone hasn't heard of that yet, it's this wonderful festival um, put on by an um, artist and musician named Scott Deal. Um, It's a virtual 24-hour festival with people all over the world um, showing their, um, you know, art related to the environment, uh, whether that's um, fixed media, um, I contributed an audiovisual piece this year, or um, it, it could also be live performances happening all over the world uh, with these musicians from several different places and locations. Um, so the, the Earth Day Art Model Festival is a fantastic event that I'm hoping to be a part of again. It's on Earth Day um, in April 2023. Um, and then um, I'm also just beginning to um, make motions towards some workshops I want to do. Um, I want to do some workshops, both virtually and in person, uh, about birdsong. Uh, that's one of the obsessions I've had for the past few years as a musician is um, how birds vocalize and how they make phrases of their musical and why musicians and composers have been fascinated with them for so long, for hundreds of years. Um, So I want to do some workshops with artists and the general public to sort of explore that because I love that topic. Ooh, what was it like in Hawaii at Volcanoes National Park? Did you get all kinds of good recordings of birds? Oh, absolutely. Um, the the apapane, the oma'o, um, all sorts of native birds that are endemic just to that island. Just fascinating mm. to listen to. Um, you know, the apapane sounds like R2-D2 from Star Wars. It's this clanky, clickety, metallic sort of sound that you just hear coming through the forest and you just go, what is that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and that's actually where I first did a workshop on birds was during my residency in Hawaii in 2019. Um, I had the time and space to sort of pull all these resources and materials together to do that workshop, um, which is another great thing that I think these residencies do. They give you the time and space to do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking to expand on that. Awesome. Cool. Now, before we get to our next guest on the same question about looking forward to this year, uh, let's play Edna's audio yearbook. You want to tell everybody about this? Because, you know, this is an interesting, it's like a time lapse, but an audio time lapse. Yeah, so what you're going to hear is um, 12 months in one minute. Um, these are just random recordings I took of my daughter, Etta, um, as she was sort of growing up and figuring out the world and making all these vocalizations. I had a recording device sitting on my cabinet over here in our living room, and 
I just record every single sound that I could from her. And so what you're going to hear in the piece is these piano chiming notes that sort of signify a month has passed. Um, and then interspersed throughout all of it, you're going to hear just the complete chaos of Etta's squeaks and coos and mamas and dadas and all her other crazy sounds that she makes. It's <laughs> amazing. So here it is, a year and a minute. That I want to make my own mouth music now. I'm going to start. I'm telling you, Nancy knows that I went through that stage as a kid. And <laughs> I mean, come on, that's exciting to go and do. How much work does it take to put that together? It's so cute, and you can hear her like start to form words. Yeah, it was actually way more work than I thought because uh, I yeah. think I had something like, oh my gosh, hours and hours of audio footage. So I think I my first draft was about a 40 minute one. And so I slowly worked it down from a 40-minute draft into the one minute that you heard right there. So it took a wow. lot of refining and replacing. But, again, it was so special because it, it, it brought me in touch with my daughter in a very unique way. And that's a special artifact that I'll, you know, keep for the rest of my life and hers. Mm. I, so I you know go what, to, go, what each noise that she's making means? Did you get that far? Like, you know... This means that? Yes. And I was very intentional about how I sort of placed all the sounds. Each moment is mm. very um, dense with information. So, for example, in the opening there, you heard um, a thunderstorm, which mm -hmm. um, rolled through our neighborhood on her due date. Um, and then you heard th this heartbeat, which came from the heartbeat monitor um, when we got mm. to first hear the her heartbeat. Um mm. So, yeah, all these sounds are very packed with meaning for me, and it, it goes by so quickly wow. that, you know, it's, it's hard to sit in all of them. But, yeah, each one of them is very special. Okay, cool. so, Nancy, when you first asked that question, I'm going, she's blowing bubbles somewhere in there. And I'm like, <laughs> what's the meaning of the bubbles? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's that's the, that's the, the funny part of it, you know, because kids do make – but it is still part of growing up and learning. and. I wanted to ask Glenn what he thought about that that recording and, and piece. It's another, it's a gazillion recordings. What would you do something like that? Well, I'm here in Honolulu um, uh, visiting my um, my first baby, who is now 28 years old and in graduate school at the University of Hawaii. And um, in in listening to it, it it, uh, it 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 made the last 28 years vanish. Okay, uh, uh, and and to and to bring me back to that time when when Mateo was was making all of those 
all of those sounds. Uh, that was that was quite quite beautiful. Yeah. I love, I love it. I love it. And I I think Alice, you're you're resonating with that too, right? Oh yeah, uh, and it it's great to hear all these artists talk about their families because mm. I, you know sometimes you hear about crazy artists or artists that are so, uh, sort of on the fringes, but. Uh, yeah, most of them are really good people and have great families, so that's really neat. I love it. I love it. Nancy, I, I would go, Nancy, artist Nancy, what's happening for you uh, for 2023? Um, well, I will be in April. I'll be at Petrified Forest National Park. Looking forward to that. I'll be. Oh, my gosh. Out west I've been there. Yes. It's wonderful. You're going to know magic. It's magic. <laughs> Yeah. Wonderful. Gosh. And um, then next uh, next summer, toward the end of December, I'll be at Oak Spring Garden Foundation in Virginia. And I'll be there for five weeks. I am wow. really, truly looking forward to that. It's a beautiful place. Absolutely That's a beautiful forest. I can't wait for you to be there. It is magic. Yeah. I mean, the stars at night, uh, just just. There's so much to it, and I can just see the textures and, and your art. How you're going to get Thanks. it? The, the colors and the textures are going to, yeah, makes me want to uh, put my hands in dirt for some reason. But I can't wait. I can't wait. It, it's Arizona, so yeah. and it's yeah. I've never beautiful been time there. of year too. Mm-hmm. Oh, great! Good to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. I beautiful wildflowers. Quick... Wildflowers will be out. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, awesome. good. I didn't know. That's wonderful. I also wanted to revisit just briefly um, the what we were talking about earlier about, um, uh, you know, a, acquiring rejection letters. If there are any artists that are listening to this right now, what I want to tell you is if you're thinking about applying, do it. Look at look at it. Look at the questions you need to answer. Look at the things you need to address. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And if you get that, you know, if if you get a polite no, thank you, don't let it get you down. I applied to Shenandoah National Park four times, but to, four years in a row before I got in. I applied to Death Valley. This is my third year in a row. Still haven't gotten in. Do you think that's do you think that's gonna you know what? I'm gonna apply again next year. Do or do this that. year. This is twenty twenty three. I'm gonna keep applying till I get in because I want to go there. I wanna see it. And what the National Parks Arts Foundation does for us as artists is give us the gift of time. We mm. can go there and visit as tourists. But as tourists, we're only there for a weekend. But if you go as an artist in residence, you have weeks. That's the greatest gift. So you, can, you, you get to show up and just go out there and listen to the sounds, look at, the, look at these vistas that we wouldn't get to see as much of as a tourist. Mm. So artists, any artist listening, if you have that, 
you know, that, oh, I don't know if I can get in or not. I don't know if I'm good enough. Put that conversation aside. Don't be a negative new-new. Exactly. <laughs> and a new-new. Don't listen to the negative voice. See, this is where the monkey yeah. mind goes in. Monkey minds yeah. just want to play, so play. Go for it. Don't, don't allow the negative voice because we have that. And in the arts, yeah. I think because artists wear their heart on the sleeve, really. You're, you're yeah. putting yourself out there. So it's, it's a hard thing because it's sensitive and it's an emotional process, no matter how you look at it, doing the artist too. So, you know, um, I think you're really right about that, Nancy. And I'm, I'm glad you're going, you know, to these other parks and moving forward. And I think, you know, once you've been like in a residency like NPAF, then you've got that as part of your resume to help you get into other ones and, and different places and, and do more with them as well. So I want to go back over to Pat. Uh, Pat, I know that you've got these residencies you've applied for, but apparently you're hanging out in upstate New York too. Yes. Um, I, like I said before, I'm originally from New York, and COVID got me a little nervous before before the vaccines um, I kind of thought I really needed a place I could drive to and escape. So I found a little town in uh, the foothills of the Catskills, and I'm there with a college friend, and we have side-by-side studios, and I've been painting up there for the past two summers. I've gone to the Adirondacks, to uh, Racket Lake, near Lake George. I plan to go there again and do, like, a, a workshop. Uh, for a week, and um, I'm exhibiting at different galleries up there in Woodstock and Kingston and Wordsboro, kind of local galleries, and and painting outdoors a whole lot. Mm. Beautiful there. That's and awesome. I, I agree with the uh, the rejection. Only I don't call it rejection. It's non-accept temporal uh, non-acceptance. Because it'll happen, mm. you're right. If you keep, if you have perseverance, I've had the same experience. I was uh, alternate for three times at Acadia National Park, and the fourth time I got it. Mm. So, I mean, they, to the point where they're, they're accepting you to be the alternate, but you just don't, you know, get in. So, you know, just to keep on applying, and they get tired of you, and they say, I'll oh, give it to her already. No. Ah, the squeaky wheel. <laughs> you just well, it's good for them to know that you're serious about this stuff. Mm. You know, I mean, it's for some of it. For some of us, it's a lifetime uh, existence. This is what we do. You know, we're out mm-hmm. there painting, and and for some of us, our our stuff is is out there, and it, it's it's showing the parks globally, like you said. I'm part of the Art and Art and the Embassies program, and uh, a very large painting of mine, which was ten feet long. Uh, uh, Alice has got one eleven feet, so I'm going to have to work on a bigger one. Oh my God! <laughs> it went We're to, getting competitive it went, now. <laughs> it's a competition. Mm-hmm. No, it was a part of uh, the <laughs> Art and the Embassy program, and was hanging in uh, Nigeria, in uh, in Africa. Nice. And me, I mean, so yes, we're, we're nice. spreading the word about the beauty of our parks all over all over the world, and that's really important for others to that. see who don't get the chance. Yeah, to see exactly because we can't do yeah. everything. I mean, Nancy and I are trying as much as we can as uh, uh, traveling full time, 
but we have to work in between. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hence we pet sit and hang out in artist studios and whatever. And, you know, it's still, you know, you, you do what you can. And if, you know, to be in a park for a month decreases, it, it's so, it, the sky's the limit of what you can do and what you, what rabbit hole you go into, literally, or prairie dog oh. hole. Listen, I yeah. want to go back. <laughs> I want to hang out at a prairie dog village all day long. Oh, they're so cool. That's my next thing. Devil's Tower. Devil's Tower has a lot yeah. of them. I, my first experience with with prairie dogs was at uh, at Devil's Tower National Monument. That was oh. incredible. I, I'd like to take one second to thank Gary Bremen. He's a park ranger. Uh, he just retired after 36 years at Biscayne National Park. He was mm. there, and he saw my work 20 years ago and asked me to do a show at his community gallery. And ever he got me started on the national parks. And he's up to, like, 270 units of the national park system. So he's on a mission, and now that he's retired, he'll get to see a lot more. And it's like you can appreciate the time and energy it takes to get to go to these parks. Yeah. And then he'll be able to spend more time. Yeah. That's awesome. Alice, do you have prairie dogs on the ranch? (laughs) Oh, yes, we do. In fact, in one of the nearby towns, they have uh, some around the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, they put up they put up a new windmill, and the vibrations caused all the prairie dogs to move to everybody's houses and tear up their yards. So, oh, yeah. well, see, <laughs> so this goes they, back to the power the of sound. Down. You know, huh. the power yeah. of sound, yeah, vibration, right? From, yeah, yeah, yeah. How so, interesting! Uh, yeah. How inter- <laughs> hey, Nancy, I was going to go back to you real quick on this because you you say you know you carry your sewing machine to parks. Um, yeah. The vibration, does that change for you? I mean, when you're talking about being hearing impaired, so your rhythm and vibration of sewing, isn't that in a, in its own way kind of a a tone? It you is know? indeed. And I, not to brag or anything, but I have a very, very nice sewing machine. So it doesn't <laughs> vibrate much and it doesn't make a whole lot of noise. It's quiet as a kitten. Anyway. It's, uh, but, but that rhythm, when I'm quilting, now when I was at Fort Union, I don't know how, maybe it was because it's a four-week program, but I was able to not only photograph, but create three quilts while I was there. And quilts take time, because first you make the, the quilt top, then you sandwich and, you know, with the different layers, and then you quilt it. I quilted two while I was there, but I quilt usually at night and I'm out in the park during the day. But yes, absolutely. There's something very therapeutic, very, what's the word, rhythmic. Mm -hmm. Um, When I'm quilting and I quilt very densely, so I'm quilting in very small sections at a time and changing threads. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's very... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I the word escapes me right now, but it's it's calming, it's therapy, mm-hmm. it's it's being in tune. And and I know how this might sound very woo woo and weird, but this is that is the time when I'm quilting that. That's when I'm most in touch, most in tune with. I don't know. I I, I would like to mm-hmm. say with the park, with the experience. The zone. You're in the zone. Yes. Exactly. That's it. 
in the zone with that park, with that experience with, yeah. So, yeah. Yes. It has a musical quality to it. Absolutely. I want to go to Glenn. Glenn, um, I know this year is a big year. Music is back, as you were saying. You're going to, and then next year, track the solar eclipse. I love that. And do the water project uh, with Lake Champlain Watershed. I love this. Um, But we're going to close the show with the song Cry. But before we do that, obviously we want to hear a little bit more about that. Is there anything else we should know what's up for you this year? Yeah, um, the the Lake Champlain Water Project is clearly growing into a bigger water project. I've uh, I've gotten some interest in in some folks in, in different parts of the world to do more more sonification of water stuff. So um, in May, I'm going to be on the Elba River in the Czech Republic visiting things called hunger stones. Uh, these are these are stones that have um, that have drought water levels carved into them with dates beside them going all the way back to the to the late 1500s and um, and working with some scholars there to run some numbers on that and start to explore wow. that 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 particular thing uh, the you know the the Antarctica stuff around ice and water the you know the piece you're about to play the ice is crying the waters will rise um, we're we're sort of looking at a at a multi-year water project that's that's in front of us here um, now, and um, really really excited about those those possibilities. Um, water is life. Yeah, yeah. Um, one one last thing I, I just wanted to add to the to the um, the grant writing um, uh, discussion here is uh, another way to look at at writing grants is is the baseball rule. Okay, if if you're in baseball um, and every time you step up to the plate to swing the bat, you fail seven out of ten times, you end up in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I like just that. Just because some things in the world are just that hard, right? You know, you, you know, uh, swinging a cylinder, trying to hit a sphere that's being thrown thrown at you randomly is a very tough thing to do to hit it between these two artificial lines. Uh, Sometimes grant writing is a hard thing too, and that's okay. The fact that it's hard is, isn't a problem. Sometimes good things are just hard. And, Mm. and, and, and baseball, baseball reminds us that sometimes if you, if you win three out of 10 times, you end up in the hall of fame Uh, because some things in life are just like that. Yeah. You got to believe in a little magic dust, right? I love that. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us on the show here, um, celebrating seven years. Hey, how about that? So next year will be infinity, which means the sky's the limit, right? I love it. It is. I dig it. But right now we're sitting in the year of luck, right? So seven years is good. I can't believe we've done seven years. I know. You know, of interviewing artists. It's pretty amazing. Don't you think, Nancy? Yeah. Big Glenn, Nancy? Yeah. It's fun. I, I mean, when you totally go fun. through the yes. records, it's like, wow. You know, we've done, you know, shows like this, individual interviews. We've done all kinds of things. We've and I, I want to give a shout-out to Tanya Ortega and everybody that is on the board, everybody that is part of NPIF as volunteers and, and work on this whole project because there is so much work that is involved to make a residency happen. So we also want to thank the donors. Everybody who has donated 
towards this project um, and also all the partners. I mean, um, I've, I have nothing to do with any of that, but I just really respect it. I, you know, we just run a show, Nancy. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, it just takes, it takes a village. Yep. And, mm-hmm. Andy, you talked about community, and this is it. You know, this is part of it. Art is a community, and reach out to your art communities, too. It's just for us as, you know, the listener side and, and, and the people that maybe not be creating the art, but be part of what the artists are doing wherever you can, wherever you are. You know, if there's an art tour, you know, you always hear about artist studio tours. Like here where we are in Peachtree City, they have an artist studio tour every November that goes through three counties. You can actually go into people's play, their studios and see them work and have a conversation and learn about work that you had no idea existed. It's so exciting. So I want to thank artists and everybody that is part of this program and, of course, the parks themselves and everybody that works on them. So thank you all for joining us. We're going to close with a song, Cry, from uh, Glenn McClure. And everyone, let's go through real quick. Any last comments? Give everyone your website. Andy, any last comments before we play music and say goodbye? Oh, Andy's not there. All right, so (coughs) are you there, Andy? No? Yep, just had to deal with a... um... Lovely baby waking up from a nap. Oh. <laughs> well, do you have a diaper to clean? Uh-oh. Uh, that's, that's probably my future. That is probably my future. <laughs> well, sorry, that's I just made it back it. on there. Oh, okay. So give everyone your website and any closing comments or questions. Sure, everyone. It's um, Andy Jarima. That's A-N-D-Y-J-A-R-E-M-A dot com. Um, and I just want to say big thanks to Lisa and Nancy for promoting us, promoting the National Park Arts Foundation and Tanya Ortega and everything that they do for the artists. I really appreciate um, what you do for us, uh, Lisa and Nancy. So congratulations oh, on seven you. years. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Let's go to you, Glenn. Uh, artforbrains.com. We can't miss that, right? <laughs> Artforbrains.com, yeah. And also, if um, if you want to explore s- some more of these great nature, science, artistic communicators, uh, aawcollective.com. That's the Antarctic Artists and Writers Collective. Oh, we love that, what you're doing there. Uh, NancyHersberger.com is the website. It's Nancy, then H-E-R-S-H-B-E-R-G-E-R. So think about Hershey Candy. Am I right? You're in Pennsylvania. Yep. Let's eat chocolate. Yep. Oh, always. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, com, and I'm on Facebook at Nancy Hirschberger Artist. And thank you, Nancy and Lisa, and the National Parks Arts Foundation. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's been so cool having you all on the show. Patricia Cummins, everyone go to petcummins.com, but Remember, go to nationalparkpainter.com. Did I get that right, Pat? You got it right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you to all the artists for all their hard work, because I know this takes a lot of time and energy to do, uh, all those applications. And, you know, being at the park is icing it on the cake, but, you know, there's a lot of legwork prior Mm -hmm. to getting there. So thank you to all those for persevering and and doing it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Alice, uh, alicelease.com. That's L-E-E-S-E, even though I said she's got the biggest land lease in Texas. I'm just messing with you, Alice. <laughs> but uh, it's good to have you back on the show, as always. Uh, any closing comments? Thank you. Yeah. Oh, just thank you to the Park Service and the Rangers and uh, everyone who helps us in this whole process. And, of course, Tanya Ortega and, and you and Nancy. Oh, thank And you. we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll great. See you soon. I know we'll make it happen this year. Everyone, again, the National Parks Arts Foundation, please get involved. Go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org. You'll see them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram as well. But sign up for their newsletter so you can get, you know, the, you know, the first thing. When they have a new residency and um, sometimes you're applying into 2024, maybe even 2025 or 2026, you never know. If you're a destination that wants to have a program, in your area, in a park, also contact them. And then, of course, donors, you know, nonprofits need help. So I'm just saying, because I'm allowed to, <laughs> so go and support uh, awesome projects like the National Parks Arts Foundation. Of course, we're here every first Friday with this show. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. If you go there, you'll see links to all the different places we air our shows. And, uh, of course, also NationalParkTraveling.com as most of the podcasts we've done over the seven years, as does BlendRadioNTV.com. And you'll see a lot of the artists' interviews in our various digital Big Blend magazines. Thank you all for joining us. Here it is, Cry. Thank you so much. <laughs>